BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is Becoming a Labor Management Tyrannosaurus Rex. Joining us today is BDR trainer and head coach, Sean Weiss. Sean, welcome back to the podcast. Once again, Matt, thanks for having me. Very nice to have you back uh, yet again. And I thought before we get into questions I have for you today, Sean, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background related to labor management, which is going to be our topic today? Absolutely. So first and foremost, with BDR, I am the lead trainer for our labor management class, which, uh, as you well know, Matt, you and I just went through, uh, spent uh, quite a bit of time and effort going through this class, making a lot of updates and bringing a lot of current labor management ideas and, and thoughts and process and procedure into it. So I'm really excited for everyone out there to uh, get to see that and get some exposure to it. Uh, so. So from the training and then on the coaching standpoint, too, I've also coached a, a few clients specifically on labor management as well. And this all comes from a background of, of being a labor management, uh, uh, being a labor manager, I should say, on the contracting and then working with a couple companies. And when we're, when we're speaking of labor management, we're speaking specifically to our install department. So, you know, managing labor on the install side, but also, you know, managing labor on that service end as well for a number of years before joining the BDR team close to eight, nine years ago. Okay. Well, I always like to just make sure I've got the right guy for the right conversation. So yeah, ideally, right. It would, it would be important. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think we're good. So thank you for that. Uh, let's just uh, dive into things here. And, you know, I'm going to ask you a simple question, but I think it's going to set us up for what we're going to talk about today. So why is labor management so important to a contractor, Sean? Well, I think you can look directly at probably the, the three things that are going to stand out most when you, when you ask that question, when you're, when you're answering that question. Number one, we all know it. Uh, it's, it's just the lack of, lack of labor that's out there. So that puts us in a position where what we do have is, is precious and important to us. Second to that, you know, with the lack of labor, we also have a lack of experienced labor where, you know, we don't have individuals performing these tasks that have been exposed to these processes and procedures for some time. So there are potential for efficiency issues with the existing labor that we do have. And then you compound that with, and I know that the supply chains are, are, are repairing themselves now. That's the things that we've dealt with over the past couple of years. But, you know, we're still uh, dealing with install schedules that are booked out for weeks at a time. And we've, we've got demand here. We've got demand and we don't have a lot of supply on our end from a labor standpoint. So I think for, for all of us, we, we look at this as a, as a glaring issue. But then there within the issue is a lot of potential for improvements. Okay. Well, I think that sets the scene pretty nicely about the labor challenges as well as just our overall lack of supply in, in being able to get things installed. And I think a lot of times in my mind, we think of things, the limitations maybe on the sales side more, like do we have enough leads or we do have enough sold jobs, but we don't always spend as much time, I don't think, on the labor management side of 
can we get everything installed, you know, and how fast can we do that? And if we do better, can we get to more installations going forward? So I think we're in for a mm-hmm. great conversation today. Absolutely. All right. Second question. This goes to the title of this episode, Becoming a Labor Management Tyrannosaurus Rex. What the heck does that mean? Well, this was something that Barry Burnett, who used to teach uh, the labor management class, and he always talked about how he was a labor management Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? So you get this like image of this just like ferocious um, (laughs) creature, right? That's just attacking this issue, right, of labor management. And I I remember as a client of BDRs before joining the team, getting a hold of this term. And really, it just, it just set right with me because I felt, I felt like this was me, right. And, and so to me, what, what this means to be a labor management Tyrannosaurus Rex is to commit yourself relentlessly. This is an everyday pursuit to identify opportunities to create more time where there is none, essentially. You know, I think, I don't say, I don't want to say I think, but I know that, that we've gotten a hold of this on the service end. You know, for years we have, we have ma- measured and managed technician performance to bid hours, essentially, through flat rates. And, and, and we've, 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 we've known that we've known that in, in, in service, we've got an expected amount of time to perform a task and we look and try to uncover and identify opportunities to best that time, whatever it might be for whatever task we're doing. But on the install side, this is something that we really haven't done much of. And we really kind of allow the labor budget to manage our labor. We're not taking a proactive approach, more of a passive approach to managing labor, right? We've, we've got an estimated amount of man hours bid into this project, and we, we allow that to kind of dictate. But if you kind of compare the two between install and service, it's one and the same, really, right? We've got an estimated amount of time to perform a task or perform an install. So why can't we take this proactive approach where we look and identify are there opportunities? What opportunities do I have? And we're seeking out to find what those opportunities are and how they present themselves to us throughout the course of an install, throughout the course of a day to beat those hours, right? To come in ahead of bid hours, right? Being, you know, being proactive with a plan of what can we do now with that time? So to me, that, that definition of being a labor management trainer, so Rex really goes back to that proactive approach where we're looking relentlessly day in and day out throughout the course of the day. We're managing in the moment to try to identify those opportunities that we can see in order to get that job done under estimated hours. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot, Sean. And I kind of think about it. A Tyrannosaurus Rex, when it wakes up in the morning, it's not like, yeah, what am I going to do today? Am I going to go chase down some smaller dinosaurs and eat them? I don't know. That's exactly what it's going to do. And it's, and it's relentless yep. about it. And, and so I like that commit relentlessly to finding those efficiencies, finding that time that we can grab, creating time, as you said, and being proactive. So uh, I love that. I think we got a picture of what, what, the, what we're talking about now. So let me take you to the next question then. We, we've set the scene here. Let's talk about the industry as a whole. You know, is 
is labor management, would you say, based on your coaching and your experience and training being out there in the field, is it a strong point or a weak point for most contractors and why? Well, I think if we honestly answer that question and we take an honest look at it, I would tend to say that for most of us and, and most of what I see is that generally speaking, it is a weak point. However, I think it may be perceived by some to not be a weak point because it's really not something that's paid much attention to other than through the eyes of, of a standard job costing exercise, right? And I see this, I see this happen all the time where we run through a number of, of recent projects that were completed and we go through the job costing exercise and we see that we, we bid eight hours or we bid 16 hours into that project and we got it done, you know, in eight hours or we got it done in 16. So a lot of owners or managers view that as a win, right? And, I, and, and I'm not going to disagree with the fact that it is a win, right? We, we came in at budget, but it's again, it's that passive approach where we're just allowing the labor budget to manage our labor. We're not looking for opportunities. So I think, again, if we really take an honest look at this and say, well, did we, even though we did come in at budgeted hours, did we do everything as efficiently and as, as effectively as we possibly could have to potentially open up more time for us? Because time is a commodity that we all have the ability to to capitalize on and so you know to again circle back and answer your question in doing analysis of many many departments over the years i do believe that it is a weak point or you know we could we could look at it as not a negative but it's it's there's opportunity there right so i i believe that labor management or additional labor management strategies and tactics provides us with a lot of opportunity to capture more time rather than just taking that passive approach and letting the labor budget manage our labor okay yeah um and i would add to that you know there's some big fortune 500 companies in in the home services space recently read about one they were on a call with some Wall Street analysts and they were doing their projections where they saw things going and one of the big things they brought up at that time was their limiting growth factor was the ability of their dealers to get their product installed that's what this big manufacturer that's what they were saying that's the only thing that's going to slow us down is the fact that our dealers can't install our product fast enough and do it well enough sure. and that's going to impact us. So, so I think I love what you're saying yeah. about opportunity and looking at, okay, maybe we're doing a, a good job. You know, maybe we're getting things done to budget. That's awesome. But what could happen if we get things done a little bit faster? What other opportunities are out there? So I like that mindset mm -hmm. that you're bringing us to. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now let me ask you this, Sean. So let's, let's just say that on average, we're doing the average contractor is doing an average job of labor management. What are the challenges that contractors face today related to labor management? And we know the personnel aspect of this, of there not being enough people and maybe certainly not enough skilled people. But what what other challenges are they facing? 
Well, you're absolutely right, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's personnel, it's 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 not enough labor, it's skilled labor. But I think you know to kind of dive into that again when we're taking that honest honest look or honest making you know having an honest assessment of our of our of our labor force and and from an efficiency standpoint, I, I think it goes back to you know with one of those biggest challenges being a lack of we talk about being proactive, and I think that all translates to a lack of of creating a plan. For that labor and executing on that plan consistently. So what are we going to do with, and let's just throw out a scenario, right? And I, I've heard this argued a number of times, you know, uh, we, we, we bid that job for, uh, for a crew to get that done, you know, in one day, and they go out and they get that job done in one day. Well, if we can manage to, you know, some more efficiency throughout the course of that day, and now it doesn't take that crew a full day to get done. Maybe they can get that job done in six hours. Well, what what am I going to do with those remaining hours left over in that day? You know, is that is that something that by osmosis the the team has created a self imposed punishment for themselves, meaning that they finish the job early. So now I'm going to have to go home early, and I'm not getting my full day, and so. You know, I'm getting punished on my paycheck by not getting as many hours as this inefficient crew over here. And so we've got to have a plan. What does that look like? And is there and the why has to be high enough, too, for our team members as well. So what what type of uh, of reward might they share in for executing that uh, that job under budgeted hours? Right. You know, instead of a punishment, there's a reward there. And then from there, you know, what are we going to do now? Is it is is there and we used to. We used to have our, we had our, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking a little old school, right? I said I've been with BDR eight or nine years. So I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit, you know, pre a lot of uh, digital things in our industry, right? So I know we've got digital dispatch boards and digital, you know, install boards and everything. But I always was really fond of a, a big visual board. And, and in our hallway, we had a big install calendar board, a big whiteboard with all the installs and crews on there and everything like that. So we could just kind of stand back in one spot and, and look at everything and visualize a plan here. Uh, but outside of that, we also had a secondary whiteboard in our hallway that was our was our small job projects, or we called it a short board. And that's where, you know, any type of like inspector corrections or or small projects and things like that that would pop up. You know, we, we would we would plan for that job and we would set expectations of what we wanted that job to get done at, communicate the plan to our team members. But we had a plan. If that job were to finish up, maybe expectedly, or in some cases, you know, we get those unexpected projects that finish up early. But we had a plan. We had things on the back burner. We had things on standby. You know, what we were going to do with that labor, rather than just, again, go back to punishing the crew and sending them home early. No, we had we had the next thing that we could get started. Maybe it was Maybe it was something as simple as coming back, getting the next day's job loaded up, converting that furnace from natural gas over to propane, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe it was stopping at tomorrow's job on the way back to get a head start and get the outdoor unit demoed. It's creating that plan. And, and, and now what we're doing now is we're opening up additional time on that next job. And we keep repeatedly doing that, you know, from crew to crew, day to day. We're going to wind up opening up on average. I've seen where we can open up an additional install day in that month to where we've got an extra job that's getting installed. And that kind of goes back to what you just said from, from a manufacturing standpoint, there's not the ability to get these jobs done timely and efficiently. So, so again, going back to the, to the question, biggest challenge is lack of a plan for the labor. 
It's a lack of that proactive approach. We don't have a plan with what we're going to do with that labor if they finish early. And so I go back to when we don't have that plan, we're passively allowing that labor budget to manage our labor. And as the great Kim Archer has said for many, many, many years, labor will always expand to fill the void. And if that void is a full day, that void is two days, that labor will expand to fill that up, right? They'll make a day out of it. They'll make a paycheck out of it. And that, generally speaking, goes back to not having a plan for the what ifs and, and managing to what's possible in that project. I knew one of us was going to say labor expands to fill the void. I was hoping to get to it first, but you beat me to the punch. So good on you, man. Lack of a plan takes me back to our Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex wakes up hungry and it stays hungry and it's just going after all these little dinosaurs because it's a predator. And that's what I'm kind of hearing too, is that we have to be hungry for finding these opportunities and just be relentless, as you said earlier, to find that extra time and then have now a plan on what we're going to do and expand our awareness maybe beyond one single installation to looking at a week or a month to utilize this extra time that we can and find and, and develop. So I'm starting to see how this can come together now, Sean. You, we expand our horizons a little bit. We think ahead uh, and do some planning and like, okay, what are we going to do if we can pick up some time on the job? But I want to circle back to the point you made about not punishing those crews that get done early, and, you know, and, and as a thank you, they don't get paid for an hour or two that day. Can you talk a little bit about some of the positive sides for the crew if if we get a little bit better at labor management? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, A, uh, if we create, you know, going back to that why, if we create the why, what, what what's in it for them, right? Maybe maybe it's in the form of, uh, of, uh, of an incentive of, you know, something like a perfect job site award, or maybe there's some, some additional benefit of, of, a, of, a, of a bonus if these projects come in under hours, right, where we're, you know, we're kind of going back and making sure that craftsmanship, workmanship was up to standards. We didn't have any callbacks or, or inspector corrections and anything like that, but creating that why for them and why that's so important. So did that answer your question or I, I feel like I kind of lost a thought there, didn't dive deep enough into it. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's what I wanted to get at is the fact that we can turn this around where it's not a negative, that it becomes a positive if we're picking up time, yeah. as long as we bring folks right. along with us. Yeah, well, and, and, and that's and, and thank you because that, that brought back the thought of, of an additional benefit. I, mean, I think a, an unseen benefit that will come along with this is is an environment of structure and organization. And when we have plans and we execute on those plans and we communicate those plans, what we're doing is we're creating organization and structure around our team members. And the reality is, is that each and every one of us will thrive in structured environments. And I do believe that it's also an additional form of employee retention. Now there's always going to be resistance to any of these, any of these changes up front, right? We know that change is, is essential and we must always embrace it. However, the human anatomy has, in, in our brain uh, has a natural inclination 
to reject that change. But once it has been cemented within the organization, I do believe that it's a great retention tool because there's organization in all of this and, it, and structure allows individuals within our company to thrive. I, I've heard it time and time again where individuals have left, you know, dealers that I work with and they've gone to another company and then they realize that this other company is, is operating in chaos and, and it's off-putting, right? When they left a, a company that was so structured and had everything, had processes and had everything put together for them and a plan communicated it, when they leave and go to these other areas where it's just kind of up to them and it's chaos and everything, it's not... It's not desirable, right? They, they realize that I can thrive in a structured environment. So I, I, again, retention and also I just think, you know, there's just that the mental health too of, of getting those wins, you know, and, and coming in, again, going back to like our service techs, you know, there's a multiple times a day in our service department, these technicians have the ability to beat, build hours on certain tasks that they're performing. So they're getting these mental wins throughout the course of the day. We need to provide that to our install team as well, where they get those, you know, the affirmation and, and, and again, maybe some monetary incentives or whatever it might be, or PTO, whatever it could be, get that mental win and, and just that health and happiness of knowing, hey, man, I am, I am doing well. You know, I am, I'm efficient, we're effective, and we're good at what we do, and we're beating job hours. Yeah, we can take some, some additional pride in what we do, and, and certainly it adds to the retention and just the feeling good about everything and that, as you said, we're moving things forward and accomplishing things and people don't want to leave companies that are well-run, generally speaking. Sure. Yeah. Now, what are some of the benefits to the customer if, as contractors, we get a little bit better at labor management? Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the job we're on today, right? Where we, one of the benefits and the byproduct of being more efficient and effective with labor management is that that job gets done uh, and installed, you know, potentially sooner than than estimated. I firmly believe that as much as our clients and customers love us uh, in their homes, you know, if, if, if there's opportunity for us to minimize that impact that we're having on the home, I mean, especially as we transition into any type of demand season where there's that immediate need of having that heating or cooling product operable in their home because of, uh, because of the uh, outside forces with the, with, with the weather, I think there's that too. But then you look at that the ability to create additional time or opportunities where there may have seemingly been none. Now that provides us with an opportunity to get that one or two extra installations in and done during the course of a, of, of a month. Again, creating more happy customers and clients out there. Yeah. And if we're, we're following good, efficient processes, uh, we can be confident that we're making nice installations that don't have callbacks associated with them, you know, that perform, system performs like it's supposed to. And, and maybe we get things done a little bit earlier as a homeowner myself. I mean, that would just be above and beyond <laughs> to have a contractor in my home and have them get done early or even on time. Almost always it runs over and, and you're just like, Okay, well, I got to come back tomorrow. I didn't budget to be off work tomorrow because I thought we'd get this done today. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's a whole huge customer satisfaction and referral element to this, in addition to just finding the time and efficiency gains for additional installations. That's right. That is absolutely right. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot to this, and it's worthy of 
being given um, as deep of consideration as we think about finding and maximizing the leads and maximizing our sales opportunities. We spend a lot of time on those things, and those are subjects that you train on as well. But I think a lot of times labor management, you talked about it kind of at the beginning where the costs are a little bit more hidden, you know, the negative aspects and the benefits are a little more subtle, you know, not as direct as a new lead or a new closed sale. But there's a lot here, you know, that we can get out of improved labor management. It's the theory of marginal gains, right? Just these incremental small wins that can happen from one crew to the next day over day that provide us with additional bigger opportunities downstream. Yeah, well said there. Theory of marginal gains. Look at you. You must have been studying before this uh, recording here. I'm impressed. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So let's kind of then go into the nuts and bolts of this a little bit, Sean. We've talked about benefits and the why. But what's what's a couple things that that we could do before an installation to really make it better, more efficient, to have that plan that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. So communicating that plan, coming up with that plan, right? That's that's on us to trust but verify that the plan that was potentially created by our sales team is something that we can execute on, making any uh, adjustments before we, you know, take the field, so to speak, and, and play the game, you know, but but at least going into the job with a plan um, and knowing that, yeah, we may have to make in-game adjustments, but at least we've got a starting point and a goal in mind of what we think is potential here. You know, some additional things that I believe or opportunities that I believe that readily present themselves to us before an install has even begun, or let's just say the morning of, is to really take another uh, honest look and and, uh, analysis of our morning process and procedure that occurs, you know, at the, at the shop before we've, before we head out to that install time and time again, I see this as something that there's a ample opportunity to pick up on average, I'd say about a full build hour in a crew. Usually, you know, I see an opportunity to reduce our shop time in the morning by about 30 minutes. And again, if we're looking at a two man crew that, that translates to an hour, so looking at any opportunity to leverage our assets and resources that we have in-house, maybe that's a warehouse person or somebody in a parts running tech position or something like that where we can you know, have these jobs pre-staged and or loaded up, whatever it might be, so that when our crew gets in, we can mitigate the amount of morning shop time and really set and establish a plan or a goal of, of having our install team members in and out of that shop in the morning in uh, no more than 15 minutes. Okay, that's a great one. What about uh, during an installation? What's what's something we could do there? Yeah, let's, let's go back to that initial, that initial game plan, and let's use the analogy of, of sports teams here. So we've got this game plan, right? And and Matt, you and I on the on the labor management side, right? We are we're the we're the coaching staff in this in this whole game that's getting ready to be that's getting ready to happen, right? And our installers and the players are getting ready to take the field. And you know, I use the analogy of coaching in the moment here, and how crazy and absurd it would be, Matt, if you and I, as the coaches on this staff, 
communicated in the locker room that game plan to our team members. And we all got agreement and buy-in that this is what this is how we're going into this game. This is our game, initial game plan going in. And again, how absurd would it be if we sent that team out on the court, out on the diamond, out on the field, and you and I hung back in that locker room and waited for that game to get played and waited for the team to come back into the locker room at the end of the game and then debrief on the results. It, it would be crazy, right? We, we, ne- we never see that, right? You and I wouldn't have a coaching job very long, would we? We'd right. have a job pretty quick, right? So, you know, what, what, but in, in, in turn, what does happen is that, you know, coaching staff take the field, take the court, take the diamond with their, with their team. They're present, right? And I'm not advocating that, that we should be on site all day, every day. I mean, I do think that on site check ins are, are important, but we need to be present. We need to, we need to manage in the moment here. And so I, I advocate strongly for, you know, communication is a foundation to any healthy relationship. And I want to have healthy internal relationships uh, with, with my installers out there. So, that means that I'm going to have to promote an in, in, in increase and in improvement to communication. So, so anybody that attends labor management class will learn this. And some of you may maybe heard me say this over the years, but I advocate for two structured check-ins that, that we manage to on, on the, on the coaching staff, on the labor management side. And uh, we did a prime, a prim, primary check-in. Our first check-in with our, with our team members was done at 10 AM and we called the 10 AM 10 a.m. today, 10 today, checking in. My, my team has usually been on the field or at that job site for now a few hours. And, you know, ideally they've got the system demoed out or just about demoed out. And that, that, that check-in was, was to A, up, you know, update on progress, you know, B, make any in-game adjustments to that plan. If, if we're hearing, you know, some things that were maybe, you know, we got we get thrown a curveball every once in a while, right? As, as best as our sales team does out there to try to see everything, it's, it's 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 almost impossible for them to see everything. So sometimes we get these curveballs thrown at us that force to make some in-game adjustments and plans, and and that allows for us to take a proactive approach versus a passive approach and work with our team, right? Especially again, we have younger installers that that may not have the experience to where they they just make these adjustments or you know can make those 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 adjustments without oversight management and then you know identify if there's any you know any parts materials things like that that they might need that uh, we need to get out to them so 10 today was let's check in how's the day going here's our plan what can i get out to you if you need any additional materials or resources whatever it was and then we did a two o'clock check-in back again to you know kind of as we're wrapping up that day before, you know, maybe the players are deciding that we're we're not going to be able to get this done today. We're going to have to come back and, and, you know, tomorrow. Well, is that something that we, we can do? Is that something that we should do? You know, I'm, I'm, I want to take this proactive approach where I'm, I'm managing to the expectations. Is that something that, you know, as a coaching staff, hey, we're going to have to approve some overtime. Looks like this game's going into OT here. Um, and we're going to, we're going to have to be working uh, a little later. Because uh, it just doesn't make sense, right? We've got uh, jobs on the schedule tomorrow. We'll go ahead and approve the, the OT overtime in this game here. You know, if it's a multiple day project too, that allows us to identify any additional materials or anything like that um, that that we can get uh, ordered, pulled, delivered, whatever, staged, ready to go for the next morning, uh, or maybe it's even stocking items, whatever it might be. 
but what, what, what might you need for tomorrow? How can we set tomorrow up to be a success um, and expedite that, that morning process the next day to get them, you know, we, 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 we called it love them in, love them out. Love them in, happy you're here, man. Appreciate everything that you do for us. You guys are going to go out. You're going to kill it. You're going to have a great day. Love them in, love them out. So uh, 10 today, 2, we said was tomorrow. So 10 today, 2 tomorrow. 10 a.m. check-in, get that game plan executed, uh, make any in-game adjustments, get them any materials that they might need. 2 o'clock, you know, debrief on the on that day, anything that, that we need to do to finalize that project, debrief with them, things like that, or uh, kind of a pre-debrief, if you will. And then what do we need to set you up for success tomorrow? Okay, that's uh, powerful stuff right there. Those two structured check-ins at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Yeah, I would say if that's uh, something that folks are not doing, that sounds like it could really be a game changer there as far as the preparation and the planning and, and the execution of uh, our labor management strategies. So wahoo on that, Sean. But let me ask you this. If somebody's listening to this and, and they're thinking, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I do okay at labor management. I'd love to do a lot better. Is there something you would recommend that they start with? to just really, that they could jump on? Would it be this, the 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. check-ins or something else that they could get after quickly? 100%, yeah. That, that, that is, that is a simple starting point to start there with the, with the twice-a-day check-ins. Again, if you choose 10 and 2, uh, I think those, those times just work really well. Start there, though. Start with opening up the channels of communication. Good things come from that, right? constructive conversations that happen and, and we identify opportunities and, and areas of improvement from there, you know, a quick transit transition from there is just, uh, and I've said it a few times, but go back to just having an honest or making an, an honest analyzation of your team's performance, you know, before, during, and after uh, an honest look and approach at it, right? Not judging that team's performance based upon the labor budget, but are we as efficient as we possibly can be? You know, and, and that usually leads us to comparing that performance to what are those existing processes and procedures that we have? How are we performing to those processes and procedures? Are we following them? You know, or maybe we identify, you know, hey, we, we don't have any documented process and procedures. So that, that opens up opportunity for us to create those and, and get buy-in from our team and sign off on, yeah, this is, this is, these are the standards that we're going to adhere to. Yeah, I think that could be really powerful. You mentioned buy-in with the team there. Building that unique way your company does the installation, building that out with your team just seems like that would be a powerful connecting force and getting everybody moving in the same direction and really being part of this uh, labor management uh, improvement process. Any other ways that we can get buy-in from the team about some of these uh, strategies we want to put in place? Yeah, I, we, we've got to get that why high enough. Why are we doing this? Why, why are we making this so important? And and I, I think any any time we implement anything in our business, it should be it should be good for three entities. First and foremost, one or two. It's interchangeable depending upon how you look at it. It's got to be the right thing for our customers. And then second to that, it's got to be it's got to be the right thing to do for our employees or those that are directly impacted by the change or the, or the task in and of itself. And then lastly, it's got to be good for the company. But if we focus it on those two things, um, how do we get that buy-in? I, I, I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at, is it the right thing to do 
for our customers and the clients that we serve and, and really appeal to the hearts of our installers, which I do believe have a heart to, to take care of our, uh, of our customers and clients in the right way. So is it the right thing to do? Is it the right thing to do to be efficient and effective for them today? And is it the right thing to do that through the uh, efficiencies and effectiveness, we create additional opportunities to serve more of our client base faster than maybe we would have in a passive approach? So focusing in on that with our team members, that at the heart of this, it's the right thing to do for our customers and clients. And then, you know, again, going back to those that are directly impacted by this change, in our organization, that's going to be our installers. So what does that look like? What incentive is there for them? What share of benefit comes back to them? So I'd encourage each and every one of you listening to this podcast, get with your coach, start having some conversations on this and, and our coaching team will work with you to develop some, some incentives for our team members when they do perform efficiently and effectively and do perform those to standards. And right, we don't have any callbacks. We don't have any inspector corrections. Quality control is is upheld. There should be something there for the team members at the end of that as well. Right on. I like that. Is it the right thing to do for our customers? And if it is, that makes it pretty easy to to go about getting it done. Uh, and we go into great detail on many of the things that we've talked about today and more in that class that you train uh, labor management for retail installations. So if there's someone out there that maybe doesn't have a coach, I recommend that you get to that class to really go deep on the subject of labor management. Sean, this has been a great discussion. I mean, we could talk for hours on this uh, subject here, but I think we've done a good job of covering it, given some ideas of things people can go do. Those two structured check-ins at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., any final thoughts that you want to share with the group here? Get to the class. I'd love to see you. We're going to spend two days talking about this. And so, you know, definitely head to our website, bdrco.com for more information on that or for more information on our coaching program. But I'll go back to proactive versus passive. Be proactive. Take a proactive approach to labor management. Labor management does not happen through passive management. It's proactive. If you want it bad enough, go get it because it's there for the taking. Right on. Take a proactive approach. The Tyrannosaurus Rex wakes up hungry and the labor management Tyrannosaurus Rex is always hungry for time and efficiency. How about that? That's right. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> well, Wahoo, Sean, uh, thank you for this uh, great discussion and all your uh, sharing your knowledge with us on labor management. And uh, Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring you back again, and we thank everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time.